This is episode number 622 with Professor Christina Maslach, author of The Burnout Challenge. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today's guest is Professor Christina Maslach, the world-leading expert on occupational burnout, the causes and fixes of which will be our solitary focus in today's episode. Christina has been a professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley since 1971. That's over 51 years. Her new book, The Burnout Challenge, will be out in a couple of weeks on November 15th. She holds a PhD in psychology from Stanford and a BA in social relations from Harvard. All right, let's get straight to it. Professor Maslach, welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. It's exciting to have you here. So you are a psychology professor emerita at UC Berkeley. You're an award-winning co-creator of the Maslach Burnout Inventory, and you're co-author of a new book, The Burnout Challenge, which is coming out on November 15th on Harvard University Press. We're excited for that release. I've skimmed an early release of the book to prepare for this interview, and I loved it. One of the things that I learned is that 44% of workers worldwide, uh, according to a poll by Gallup, indicated stress in their roles, while engagement is simultaneously at an all-time low. So we've got all-time high stress, all-time low engagement. It seems like that could be related to the pandemic, but whatever the reasons, and you might be able to fill us in more, we've got record levels of burnout happening amongst employees. So tell us, what exactly is burnout? Ah, okay. So burnout is not actually something new, uh, you know, that came along with the pandemic. It's It's been around for a while. Um, and it's an experience that people can have in response to chronic workplace stressors that haven't been successfully managed. Uh, two points I just want to emphasize there, chronic stressors. We don't recover as well from things that are chronic as opposed to occasional acute Chronic means high frequency. It's there all the time, most of the time. And you never really kind of recover, relax, get back, you know, start all over again. But there's an optimistic note in that, which is what the World Health Organization has said about not having been successfully managed. It could be. It could be better managed. So, you know, it's it's not like you're stuck and, and necessarily nothing else uh, can occur. But burnout... Uh, it gets used to mean a lot of different things, but job burnout, as we in the World Health Organization have talked about it, includes three components of that experience. One is the basic stress response of exhaustion, uh, but it goes beyond that to include uh, increased cynicism, mental distance from one's job. You know, kind of take this job and shove it. Why am I here? These people don't know what they're doing. Da 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 da, um, and it. It is, for me, more the hallmark of burnout because when you get to that point of having that cynicism and and negativity about the job, you are trying to do the bare minimum rather than your very best. So Mm -hmm. quality of the work is going downhill. Mm -hmm. And the third component is you're not just negative about the job. You're beginning to be negative about yourself. What Mm. is going wrong with me? Why can't I take this? Maybe I made a mistake. I shouldn't be here, you know. All of these these kind of things um, in professions like healthcare, where almost perfectionism, you know, is something you've been trained to do. You know, you're less than perfect, and you know all this kind of stuff. So it's those three things: the exhaustion, the cynicism, 
and the professional ineffectiveness. Uh, and those all together uh, are what we have been able to identify as the burnout experience that people can have. Right. That does sound like the burnout experience, well-defined, yeah. you know, stress response of exhaustion, cynicism about your job, and cynicism about yourself. Yeah. Um, so what causes burnout? I understand from your book that there are uh, the factors tend to be related not to the person themselves or even the job. So it's an interaction term, if you will, if you really? think about like a regression model. It's yeah. not a main effect of a person or a main effect of their job. It's an interaction term. It's a mismatch between the person and their role. And my understanding is that you've identified six of these mismatches right. between workers and their jobs that cause burnout. Right. Okay. And so again, it's it's these um, the causes in some sense or the sources of this are really those chronic job stressors that have not been well managed. Um, and what we have been able to identify in the research so far is that there are at least six areas in which that um, those chronic stressors are re reflecting a mismatch, as you say, between the person and the job. And so the interaction term, yes, indeed, that's really what we're, we're looking for there. Um, so these six mismatches are in sort of organized, I think, or we've been able to put them into sort of three basic dimensions. Some have to do with one's capability to do the job. Some have to do with the social environment, the context in which you're carrying out that work. And some of it, which is usually what people don't think about, it has to do with some moral, you know, a moral dimension about mm. what, what it is you're doing. So people think of capability first. So I'll start there, although it's not always the most important. But in terms of capability of doing the job, there are two things. One is workload and one is control. So the workload mismatch means that the demands are very high, but the resources to meet those demands are pretty low or insufficient. So you have high demands, but not enough time, not enough people, not enough information, you know, equipment or whatever it is you need to get that done well uh, in a timely way. So we're talking about in a better match, what you're aiming for is a sustainable workload of manageable demands and sufficient resources. Now, when it comes to control, I mean, people always think of workload, but often when they're talking about a problem with workload, they're talking about control and having a lack of control. You have little or no say, choice, discretion, autonomy about how you do the job to um, add a little something to course correct because there's a problem that's emerged, you know, that kind of thing. So um, often when people are talking about the workload, they're talking about both of these. They're talking about an uncontrollable workload, lots of work. And I, you know, there's little I can do about it and do it better or, you know, find some other ways of, of handling it. Um, and so these areas are not independent. They can overlap. You know, you can have multiple and I'll give some examples uh, a little later. Anyway, so that's the capability. The social dimension, uh, one of those has to do with reward, which is really about getting positive feedback when you do something well, you do a good job. Um, and the positive feedback could involve salary, you know, benefits. But the research has been showing that a lot more of it has to do with social recognition. 
people let you know, oh, wow, you really saved us with that client. That was a thank you so much or pat on the back, or uh, maybe you could help me do a little bit better, you know, to kind of warm up the patient to be able to talk about, you know, his problems or something. Right. Um, So it's, it's, it's a, a lot more about that recognition and the sense that you may get new opportunities because you've done something well. Uh, many burned out people in professions, when I ask them about what's a good day, they say nothing bad happened. You know, that's <laughs> not as good as it gets, you know. Right. And so it's the absence of really any kind of positive feedback when it's, you know, well-deserved. The other social dimension is the, is the community. And we talk about the workplace community. And so that means who are your colleagues, your bosses, the people you supervise, your customers, clients, patients, I mean, you know, whose paths do you cross on a kind of regular basis? And when there's a mismatch there, it means that there's a real breakdown of communal norms of um, people talk about it as socially toxic culture. Mm. You know, uh, there's ongoing negative experiences, there's incivility, there's people throwing each other under the bus, there's you know, there's rudeness, there's harassment, there's all of these kind of things. And people are saying, I love doing my work, but I can't stand being in this group of people, you know. Kind right. of. So a better match here is more supportive civil relationships among everybody in ways in which you disagree. You can figure out how do we get on the same page as how we're going to move forward, you know, work this out, um, support each other. Um People who experience burnout often say, I'm surrounded by people and I feel alone because I don't know who I could possibly talk to Mm. and advice from. If -hmm. you show any quote unquote weakness, you're less than 100%. People sort of say, oh, well, you're not so good. Um, So there is that absence of a more, you know, collegiality and an ability when things go right, when things go wrong, whatever, you've got other people that you could turn to and you're there for them, you know, if they need a shoulder to cry on or you know whatever it is in that, in that kind of case. Mm-hmm. And then, so those are the first four. The last two are this, what I call the moral dimension. And one of them is fairness that whatever the policies, the procedures, the, you know, practices, uh, they are fairly applied equitably across the board. Uh, there's not cheating going on and lying and, and, um, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. So here you want to look for a match where there's a commitment to being honest and, you know, even handed in, in, in decisions or actions that are taken. The cynicism will, I guarantee you go sky high when you have unfairness and people feel that they're being treated unfairly. Right. Uh, And then finally, the other one, the sixth one is values. And this is really where people are finding themselves working in a situation um, where the mismatch involves ethical conflicts, moral mm. dilemmas that you have to deal with. And, um, and these can be huge. Uh, we've seen this a lot in healthcare. They talk about moral injury because the job, in a sense, forces you to do things that you think are either wrong or incredibly difficult. You mm. have to tell people that they cannot come in and see their dying, you know, parent or relative because of COVID exposure or, you know, I mean, so there's just, or people, and again, this is a healthcare example, but um, 
saying that they, after a while, can't stand to work in a situation where it's, I'm only there to bring in money, not to really help patients. That's why I went into medicine. This job is just, no, you know, I can't, I'm selling my soul and, and I can't do this. Um, so clear values, a meaningful work. I mean, value often means that, you know, you're proud of what you've done. You feel good about a contribution you've made, you know, and, and this kind of thing. So, so those six basic areas can be found in all types of workplaces, but again, it has to be sort of, um, customized to what the the work is about and the organization. So what a physician is going to be facing in on control will be very different than a teacher or a tech worker or, you know, or somebody in a, you know, financial bank, or you can just name all these kind of things. So, uh, and they can overlap, as I mentioned, uh, for example, there was one organization I worked with where, um, the CEO was sure that, oh, people are going to complain about workload and they're going to complain about reward because they don't think they get paid enough working too mm-hmm. hard. It turned out those weren't problems at all. What was the problem mm. was fairness, mm. that there were a lot of things going on that were not fair. And it was like there was a shock to the senior leadership, but it was like, okay, what? And one of the things that, um, and we give this little example in the book, um, it turned out that there was a distinguished service award that everybody hated. You know, mm-hmm. like how could it be? It's a reward. And maybe, you know, did we not give enough money for people who did something special? And I said, no, it wasn't reward. It was fairness. Fairness mm-hmm. was the wrong people are getting it. The uh, system is rigged to go to people who didn't do anything to deserve something. Uh, special. You it. know, so what's, what's going on here? Um, and uh, the six areas, I think the value that they carry with them is they give you first of all, six different perspectives on what might be going on. So you're not always going to the same old, same old workload issue. Right. It could be, it's a fairness issue. It could be that there's, you know, it's a team issue in terms of we don't get on well and we can't kind of get our act together to do stuff. Right. Um, so getting you out of the, you know, of breaking set, if I can put it that way, it, you know, yeah. or, you know, it's like you have on the uh, airplane, you know, the nearest exit actually might be behind you, you know, and it's breaking sets so that you are looking in and thinking about things in a different way. And that's what the six areas give you. They are kind of a more universal way of thinking about it. I mean, managers can burn out, CEOs can burn out the issues they may have in terms of reward or community or whatever would be different. But mm-hmm. it still kind of gives everybody a way to kind of talk to each other about what's going on and where could we make some improvements. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it focuses on the relationship between people and the work, it has to be a bilateral kind of process. It can't be unilateral. We're going to do X and everybody will then be fine, you know, kind of thing. Not necessarily. Right. If you haven't figured out some good matches that everybody is, is willing to work on. Yes. So I think you're starting there to talk about the core C's. Yes. Uh, So let's get to that in one second. So to quickly recap, the six matches between workers and their jobs that cause burnout, you just went through them. We've got work overload, number one. Number two is lack of control. Number three is insufficient rewards. Number four is a socially toxic workplace community. Number five is absence of fairness. And number six is values conflict. So I guess somebody could experience burnout when just one of these mismatches is in place. 
Yeah. And the more of the mismatches in place, the more likely. The more likely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so in terms of resolving these mismatches, my understanding is that, so when, prior to speaking to you, prior, prior to doing research for this episode, my thinking was always, oh, you know, like a solution to burnout is people taking a bit more time to themselves. Uh, so this kind of self-care thing. But I learned through your book mm -hmm. that things like self-care and personal resilience. So, you know, some people are more resilient uh, due to probably some kind of genetic and environmental interaction effects uh, than others. And so things like that, self-care and personal resilience help cope with burnout, right. but they cannot prevent the underlying causes right. of burnout. They don't deal with these mismatches. So uh, those kinds of chronic workplace stressors that you're describing, they aren't gonna go away You'll just tolerate them maybe a few months more or, yeah, or yeah. that kind of thing. But so you did identify uh, through your research three core C's that lead to successful change processes, thereby reducing burnout. And it sounded to me just before I interrupted you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like was, you, yeah, I, yeah you were about to start talking about collaboration. It sounded yeah, like. like it's this bilateral yeah. work between right. employees and management. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. I mean. And the thing right now is there things tend to get framed in sort of either or like, you know, um, it's either the job or the person or, um, you know, the HR has to take care of it, not me. You know, I mean, all of that kind of thing rather than uh, it actually needs all of that, you know, to, to together and making changes. And, and again, the book lays out a whole bunch of processes of how do you identify more positive matches how do you redesign the jobs? How do you plan this, you know, et cetera. And what we have found, as you pointed out, is that in working with people and organizations around these, these kinds of issues, uh, as we have found that there is at least these three important principles of how you go about this. Um, it's not so much what you're doing, but how you're doing it. We call it three C's because they all are three C words. So the first one, as you said, is collaborate. And this is such an important one because even way before the pandemic, we were seeing a real shift in workplaces to what I was calling sort of a climate of fear. You don't dare speak up. You don't dare, you know, say no, be, you know, et cetera, that kind of thing. And it was all top down and there was no input bottom up or sideways or whatever from the people who actually had to live with whatever the change was, you know, or, or that kind of thing. So it collaborate really means asking everybody, the different teams, the different units, what it, to be a part of making things better. They uh, will have ideas about what could be improved. Um, chronic job stressors are often talked about as uh, pebbles in your shoe. Mm. They're always there. They always are just, aggravating, annoying, uncomfortable, get in the way of things. Uh, and so sometimes they're little stuff. They're not necessarily big things, but they could make a difference in terms of getting rid of some of these, you know, chronic stressors. So people who are essentially on the floor doing X or Y can point out where we have trouble, where we run into difficulty, what we don't have and could have, or could we get rid of this process? Could we subtract some things if we're going to add more to our plate, that kind of thing? Because um, if quite honestly, if people, if employees do not see the benefit of any proposed change, it's not going to happen. 
There will be shadow systems. There will be other things going on because it's kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, kind of thing, but we've got to do it. So collaborate is a real important uh, process here. The second thing is we found is, and I think I sort of maybe even alluded that to that earlier too, is to customize. Right. In other words, there is not a one size solution that fits all ever. And even within a large organization, you know, what's going to happen for people in accounting as opposed to people in sales as opposed to, you know, whatever it happens to be, um, their particular issues and problems might not be the same. So you really have to say, okay, here's something that's worked over there. How do you make it work for us? Does it? Uh, or is it like just superfluous, you know, little fluff stuff that makes us feel like, oh, right. we're taking care of you. But no, you're not. You're making mm -hmm. us work harder. Um, uh, so the customizing is important to make it ours. You know, here's something that actually is going to help us. And then the third C is to commit. Um, and commit means you keep sustaining the effort to achieve a better match between people and the work. Um, it takes time. There's always going to be little glitches at first. You're going to stop doing what you knew, even if you didn't like it and get mm -hmm. something better, but you need to kind of course correct or, you know, kind of figure out how to, but as long as you keep clear what it is that success will look like, if this is working well, we'll be able to do the job this way and not have to deal with this stuff. Um, then you keep going and saying, we're going to get it right. We're going to figure out how to be, get to the place to, you know, that we're, we're more streamlined, we're more effective, we're not bothered by trivia, you know, whatever the, you know, the kind of thing. So collaborate, mm -hmm. customize, commit are the three things that we've just found are necessary to make it whatever they're going to put into effect, make it sing. Nice. Crystal clear, Professor Maslach. So Great. You've, <laughs> yeah, you've, uh, you've elucidated for me at least, and probably many of our listeners, um, misunderstandings uh, about what burnout is and what the causes are. Yeah. And you've provided us with um, clear steps for uh, developing change processes that allow burnout to be reduced in people's roles. So if people want to learn more, obviously your book, The Burnout Challenge, right. is out very soon on Harvard University Press, November 15th. So that is one option for people to learn more. But if people want to follow you generally, uh, they want to follow your thoughts. Uh, do you have social media accounts that they can follow? Uh Yes. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm, I, I have to say I'm not always a fan of social media because it has a negative side to it, you know, in terms mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. people come, coming on and harassing you, you know, and it's kind of like, I don't need to spend a lot of time with that. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, I am available, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and, um, there is a, uh, website that we now have for the book burnoutchallenge.com. And so you can find out a lot there. And, uh, and, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Sorry. There's another one there. Uh, in most of these just use my name uh, on that. Nice. Yeah. We'll be sure to include your Twitter, your uh, book website and your LinkedIn URLs in the show notes. Professor Maslach, thank you so much for being on the super data science podcast. Okay. Uh, we really appreciate your deep insights into burnout. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Okay, that's it for this episode on burnout. Until next time, keep on rocking it out there, folks. And I'm looking forward to enjoying another round of the Super Data Science Podcast with you very soon. 